fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome into the program. It is the beginning of a whole new week, the greatest day of the entire week, a Monday, ready to rock and roll for another one. Welcome into the program. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. We appreciate you very much. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. Back at it for another day. Boy, oh boy, what a day it's been. And it's just going to continue. We are less than two months away from election time. And apparently we're still here. <laughs> Andy, what do you mean? We're still here. The end of the world was supposed to happen over the next couple days or yesterday or whenever. Hasn't happened yet. I guess if it does, then, uh, you know, I guess we're ready. Bring it on. But we are still here. So until those horns sound, I guess we'll just continue to do our same old thing. Are you ready for it? Because, boy, oh, boy, I think the beginning of the week started off with a bang for sure. For our Jewish fa- uh, friends listening to the program, happy Rosh Hashanah Day or Rosh Hashanah couple of days, however you pronounce that. Uh, I, I got to be honest, I wasn't very familiar with this holiday, but the Jewish holiday for kind of the new civil year, the new year uh, for them as they celebrate year 5,783 for the uh, for the world and creation. And they say that's why there has been rumors that between last night, Sunday at, dawn, uh, at, uh, at nighttime, when the sun went down at sunset, to between then and Tuesday night, that the world could end, that rapture will officially take hold. Is that true? Well, I got to be honest, I wasn't very familiar with the holiday, so I was doing a little reading up on it throughout the day today, but it is the celebration of the new year for year 5,783 on the Hebrew calendar. The holiday is a festive occasion, which is also a solemn one, according to Breitbart News, known as the Day of Judgment, reflecting on belief that all of creation is judged before God on New Year and that at the fate of every living being is established for the coming year. Another name for the holiday is the Day of Memory, since all the individual's deeds are remembered and recounted before a heavenly court. When judged favorably, an individual is said to be inscribed into the Book of Life. Therefore, the Jews often wish each other a Shana Tova, a Happy New Year. Uh, Rosh Hashanah lasts up for two days because the new months and the new year were traditionally declared only after witnesses have traveled to the high court of I can't but uh, San uh, Sandra uh, um, San Sanhedrin Sanhedrin and testified incredibly that the new moon has been sighted to avoid possibility of inadvertently ignoring the first day of the holiday in case the witnesses were late the authorities decreed that the new year would observe for two days there it is so I guess that makes sense with the Christian side saying well the rapture is going to happen on that day because it's the day of judgment according to the Jews the day that we judge our uh, actions from the past year, and then we make our pledge to do better for the next year, and that God judges us as the day of judgment for the new year. So happy Rosh Hashanah Day, and if we do end, then I guess we're ready, right? 
<laughs> I mean, personally, I'm not in favor of the whole rapture thing. I don't think it's going to happen, especially today. I have a little bit different take on that view personally for my religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs. But nonetheless, if it's here, then, hey, we're ready. It's not like I'm trying to hide anything, so bring it on. And honestly, it might do us some good, man. Let me tell you, the world is such a crazy place right now that if it did happen and the end of the world happened, I think a lot of people would be somewhat relieved, wouldn't we? Be honest. Be honest. Hell, yeah, you know what? The world's gone to heck. We don't know what bathrooms to use. Taxes are ridiculously high. Everything's going to crazy. You know what? Uh, let's just let's just hit the reset button. Let's just start over. So happy Rosh Hashanah Day as the Jews believe in the new year and the judgment from God for a new year. And we potentially believe that the end of the world is going to happen today. So get ready for that one. Bottom of the hour news. coming or Bottom of the hour coming up around the corner. We have Rick Mehta. He is a former FDA official. He's also a health law professor as well. We'll talk with him about Obamacare. We'll talk about the ending of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, that's what Joe Biden said, right? The ending of the COVID pandemic. Is that is that right, Joe? I want to be clear. I'm not going nuts. Making sure. Making sure. So we'll talk about that here in just a little bit as well. But before we get to all that, we do have some election updates for you in our latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Today. What's Trending Today. What's going on in the world today? There is, so Friday, what was it, Thursday, Friday last week, we had Kevin McCarthy that released the Commitment to America, the Republicans' plan that took them a year and a half to create under a Democrat leadership and the failure of the Biden administration. It took Republicans a year and a half to come up with their Commitment to America just a month and a half before the election season, which I guess is appropriate, right? Let's just do it right before to try and give us a nice little boost. We're already up in the polls. Democrats are destroying themselves. Let's go ahead and just create a plan to let them know that we kind of sort of have an idea of what we're going to do when we actually take power. The plan included economic policy, including uh, supply chain, bringing the supply chain back from China with 61% of in conservatives and 47% in battleground states supporting the idea of reviving the supply chain issues with China, ending wasteful spending, rolling back oil and gas restrictions on the crime front, holding prosecutors accountable to ensure they prosecute criminals and hiring more police officers across the nation. Border issues, they say, securing the border. Education includes protecting girls' sports, parents' bill of rights to ensure transparency in education, and other issues as well. This is common sense, basic, not a whole lot of detail in these plans, which you don't want anything too detailed, I guess, for a national commitment to America, just kind of the basic bullet points. This is stuff that we should have been talking about for years, as I mentioned on the program last week. But apparently, to Breitbart News, that the poll numbers coming out are showing favorable to the plan, that people like it. Good. I'm glad people are liking it. I just wish that we would be a little bit more forefront and actually uh, move a little bit faster to implement some of these things. At the same time, while the campaigns are heating up, some sites say that Republicans are still ahead. Other sites say that Democrats are gaining on them or even pulling ahead in some as well, which it's getting less and less frequent for polls to show that Republicans may take the U.S. Senate, which is unfortunate, but I'm still optimistic because, well, I'm the eternal optimist on the program. So as we look at the numbers, we look at how the campaigns are going, we look at the the attempted unification of the Republican Party moving into November. And I say attempted because we are the widest umbrella out there for political parties. We are the ones that take the wannabe Republicans that are the Democrats, really, that are trying to sabotage the Republican Party, like Liz Cheney, that says, I'm never going to be a Republican again if Donald Trump's the presidential candidate. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. 
I'm so scared of her leaving the Republican Party. What will we ever do? We have those all the way up to the Ted Cruz's. And the conservatives that are fighting, which although he's in a lot of heat right now as well, it's, let's say the Rand Pauls and the Donald Trumps that are more the populist conservatives, the Rand Pauls that are more the constitutional purists, uh, we have a wide range within the Republican Party. Democrats don't have as much, and when they do, then they try to ostracize them. As they, You saw the fence they built around the Democrat National Convention just a couple years ago to make sure the Bernie Sandersites don't go into the rally because they don't want to support Bernie Sanders, although they believe in his policies find that quite fascinating as well. But as we heat up, how much money is actually being spent and is it working? Honestly, is it working with how much money is being spent? I'm sure if you're on YouTube, if you're on the interweb, if you're on TV, if you listen to radio, I am sure that you hear campaign ads constantly for both sides of the aisle. And then a thrown in independent here and there as well for wherever state you may be in, whether it's uh, congressional races, whether it's governor's races, whether it's state legislative races, whether it's whatever. I'm sure you're hearing that nonstop. Well, apparently the money being spent this year is out of control for the general election. Out of control. Now, I, again, have a hard time understanding the focus on campaigns for the general election because it's pretty much sealed up, isn't it? I mean, obviously the get out the vote push to let people know to go and vote, to let people know what's going on, talk to the constituents about the issues, obviously a big issue. But as I've mentioned, the primary election to me personally is the most important election. So we can set the stage for the parties. After that, are you really going to switch parties because of a campaign ad? You have the lockstep Republicans, you have the lockstep Democrats, and all of this money is being sent to a very finite group of individuals across the nation that are the independents and the undecided. The ones that claim to be independent and the ones that claim to be undecided. I use that in air quotes for our radio listeners because honestly, again, be honest, how many are actually out there that are the swing votes that are the independents or undecided? You know these candidates inwards and backwards. You've been seeing their campaign ads since, I don't know, January. You've been seeing them on the campaign trail. You've probably seen them knock on your door and talk to you. You've probably gotten a phone call. And if you're halfway interested in politics at all, you already have your mind made up. I truly feel that the ones that claim to be independent, and this could be a controversial statement, I don't know. I might get some emails. You can email me, who's your media network at gmail.com and let me know. Maybe you're angry at me with this statement, but I think that the independents, quote unquote, air quotes here, and the undecideds, air quotes, are the ones that are just attention seekers. They're nothing more than the attention seekers. They want the campaign edge focused towards them. They want the candidates to try and pay attention to them on what they have to say and what their personal views are. They are the attention, I don't know if I can say the word on the air. They are the attention seekers. They are the ones that love the attention from political season because, well, I don't quite know who I'm going to support. And I call malarkey, as Joe Biden would say. I say it's a bunch of crap because, again, you have your values. You know what you stand for. And outside of the very small, minute individuals, at least on the Republican side, the Democrat side, maybe it's another story, where you base your opinion based on a 15-second TV or campaign ad, you probably have a good idea on what they stand for and whether they fall in line with your values or not. I have a hard time grasping the concept that we're weeks away from an election and people are like, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. But that's where candidates sink all of their money. Not in the primaries to stand out away from their candidates, uh, from their opponents on the political on the same political side of the aisle. I mean, they spend some there, but not nearly as much as what they do for the general election. According to CNBC... 
So far, campaigns have broken records with overall spending on political and campaign ads across the nation, even more so than the 2020 presidential election and all the elections that went underneath that as well, with campaigns spending over $6.4 billion, with a B, $6.4 billion on campaign ads for this 2022 election cycle. The most expensive political race ever. Overall, Facebook and Google alone have received over $50 million in the last 30 days for campaigns. The ad spending already surpassed both 2018 and 2020, with nonpartisan research companies estimating the overall ad spending hitting $9.7 billion, their guesstimation by Election Day in early November. That's insane. Just to win over that fraction of the population that, quote-unquote, I don't know I'm going to vote for. The ones that love the attention, that ones the the attention seekers, because they say they're not sure who they're going to vote for. You know the Republican Party. You know the Democrat Party. You know the Republican candidate stance. You know the Democrat Party stance. You know what the campaign ads say. You know what they say on the campaign trail. You know what they stand for. If you've done half of the due diligence, this is to win over the limited-minded individuals that don't pay attention to politics and the ones that try to seek the attention because they want the attention from these politicians wasting massive amounts of money. It really shows, number one, how how much uh, the Democrats care about trying to maintain, which they're really, really scared. It also shows how much energy the Republicans have to raise that kind of money as well. So I guess that's good news. But why isn't this money sunk into primaries when we're setting the tone for the party? When we're nominating the official representatives for the party to hold up the values of the party and all of those that are registered under that party to stand and say, this is what I want to vote for. Our minds should already be made up as of August of this year. This is fascinating to me. Lots more coming up soon. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. It is a Monday radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch, listen to the program. We appreciate you very, very much and love you to death here. Kicking off a brand new week. So we have the record number of campaign money being spent across the board with an estimated near $9 billion. I mean, we're already hit it now at $6.4 billion. That's more than what was spent in 2020 and 2018. Broken all the records. And it's expected, according to some, to go up to $9.7 billion by election day once everything's all said and done. The crazy part is that they're spending... Here's the weird part, and I I guess this is just the radio guy coming out in me and understanding different platforms of media. The amount of money being spent on Facebook and Google alone hitting $50 million in midterm ads. $50 million between those. I am here to tell you that while Facebook is great for social media and interactment, and you might see an ad pop up, that's not going to change your opinion on anything. While you may be on Google and you see a Google ad pop up, that's not going to change your mind on anything. All the businesses out there probably know that, that you know, the still, still the best mediums to try and advertise on to get your message out is radio and is TV. And then a little bit in the streaming services. Now, I'm not talking like Google and Facebook, but I'm talking YouTube and some of those. You get your message out there as well because there's a lot of click on those. Outside of that, social media sites don't work. It's good to maybe have your name be recognized. You know, McDonald's to be like, oh, yeah, 
I'm hungry. I'm going to go to McDonald's when I see that. Outside of that, it doesn't really help at all. So vote for so-and-so on a Facebook ad. Not going to help. At the same time, Facebook doesn't like uh, political ads on there anyway. So how they're getting all this money is absolutely ridiculous. So is it working? And is it changing the minds of anyone? We have to remember who campaign ads, at least the little 15-second TV ads, work for. On radio ads, I love them because you have 30 seconds, you have 50, you have 60 seconds to try and actually get your message out there, let people know what you believe in. TV ads, I've noticed, are majoritively like negative ads. They're just the little 15-second, hey, this is me. That guy's bad. Vote for him. And while they're important to get your name out there, you as the diligent voter that you are getting ready for election season, you know that you're, you have to listen a little bit deeper. You listen to the Super PAC ads, which are being spent as well on radio, TV, and other places, uh, talking about different organizations that are endorsing certain candidates. We have a different ads running here in the Kansas area for the NRA that's endorsing our Republican governor candidate, who's our attorney general. That's awesome. Okay, you know what? Now I know he's solid on Second Amendment issues. The NRA is endorsing him. Although the NRA is having their own issues, the NRA is endorsing. That's great. Let's get Second Amendment issues front and center. The statewide gun organizations have done the endorsement as well here in Kansas. Again, Kansas, uh, Kansas State Rifle Association, which I'm on the board for, doing their endorsements for state representative candidates, for governor's races, for everything else. Those are what you need to pay attention to in your own state. The candidate, yes, but they're a politician. I would say if you're going to look at something that's going to be beneficial, look at the subgroups, the organizations that are doing the endorsements of them, because then you know the organizations that you like, that you support, that are fighting for certain values. If they come out with a rating and be like, you know, they're on a certain party side, but they don't have the best voting record on this issue, then you could be a little cautious. But again, that goes to the primaries. That's back in August. That's back in July, Whatever, whenever you have your primary election in your state. That's then. This is now. Now we have two candidates for most of the time. We have the Republican and you have the Democrat. You know majoritively what the special interests are for each party. You know predominantly what the party stands for for each party. And I hope you chose the right candidate to represent that party, to show and fight for and represent those values of that party. Because if you didn't, then you can't come back later and be like, well, that party doesn't represent me. Boy, they chose terrible candidates. What the hell are they doing? It's up to you, man. And I know primaries are usually a little, a little bit lesser turnout, but the money being spent now, to me, blows the mind for that small, finite group that just either says they don't know or they're the independents that say that none of their party works for them, trying to win them over based on those values. Interesting conversation. When we come back around the corner, Rick Meta, former FDA official, will join him, get him on the show to talk about Obamacare, talk about COVID. Is the COVID pandemic over? And how do we move forward? I'm lost without being told to wear my mask and get my jab. I'm so lost. Government, what shall I do next? The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright, you are. Welcome back into the program on the home stretch here. Last half hour of the show. It goes by way too fast. Always a pleasure to have you along for the ride as usual. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Hey, I want to remind you that we are coming up to the end of September. Stop saying that. <laughs> 
the end of this month, the end of the next month, good golly, it just flies on by. We are getting set for the trifecta holidays with uh, Halloween right around the corner, which not to give you too much of a warning, but to give you a little bit of a warning. Come October, we're going to start playing Halloween music on this show. Why? Because we're just awesome like that. So uh, we have the trifecta, but that also means with the end of the month at the end of this week, that means our newsletter will be out here soon. So if you not if you have not signed up, make sure to sign up at HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com. It's totally free for the newsletter. We will email it out to you probably a week from today on Monday, which means you have some time to sign up for it. Just go to the website. As soon as you go to HoosierReason.com, you'll see the pop-up say, do you want to become a Hoosier-holic? And you say, yes, I do. Why, thank you very much. You sign up, we'll send you a welcome email, and then we'll also send you the monthly newsletter. It is not charged it is not spam. We do not spam you and send you a whole bunch of garbage all the time. Just literally a once a month email with all the cool stuff going on on the show. So if you want to do that, again, you can go to HoosierReason.com. Let's get into our latest and what's trending with our guest on the program today. What's trending today? Really good to have this guy back on the show as we talk. Uh, I mean, apparently Joe Biden says that COVID's over. The COVID pandemic's done. It's over. We don't have to worry about anything any longer. And as we talk about the end of COVID, we talk about the refocusing of health care in the nation with Democrats pushing for an expansion of Obamacare. Again, that's their platform. Again, is it going to work? And what's the latest? Excited to have on here is a former FDA official. He's a Georgetown University health law professor and former Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate. Excited to head back on here. Rick Metza with us here. Rick, how are you, my friend? Hey, Andy, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, it is always good to chat with you. A lot of the great information every time you come on here. Uh, is it true? I mean, Joe Biden was at a car show in Detroit last week and said that the pandemic's over. We're not trying to push masks anymore. Everything's all great. We're getting back to normal. Is the pandemic done? Well, maybe that's what was written on his teleprompter. I don't know. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I think Joe Biden's finally caught up where the rest of America has been for like months now. Uh, yes, the pandemic is over. I mean, even Anthony Fauci, uh, as twisted as his words has been over the course of COVID, uh, had to admit that the worst of the pandemic is done. Uh, that means it's under control. We're not exhausting the healthcare systems. Uh, and listen, we fought this thing. And, you know, as best as we've tried, uh, it's come to a point where we now have to live with it. That means more people than not have probably been exposed. Many people have been vaccinated and we will be returning to normalcy. We are at a point of normalcy. Uh, and so the president's words are just simply you know, a reiteration of what most of America has already known for a very long time. That is true. The Democrats play slow and they, they take a while to catch up and understand what we're doing here in regular America. The problem is, though, is that Democrats in Washington, D.C. are still butting up against that, saying, no, he doesn't know what he's talking about. The pandemic's not over because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, but if he says the pandemic's over, can't we end the emergency declaration? Which means can't we just stop some of the COVID-19 relief funding while they're trying to pass more COVID-19 funding? I mean, that kind of disrupts the entire Democrat agenda here, doesn't it? Well, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. We've been living under a federal public health emergency in perpetuity. I mean, what kind of emergency isn't imminent or urgent where you've been doing this for two years now? And it's true. The president has said the pandemic is over. We're not exhausting our health care systems. We have treatment options with greater than 90 percent effectiveness. Uh, we, you know, the FDA, the NIH, CDC have continued to push vaccines regardless of whether they've been approved or not. Uh, so what exactly is the emergency? It's a good question. It's a Billion dollar question. In fact, according to our economy, it's a billion trillion dollar question because these draconian lockdowns, of which even uh, Dr. Fauci admitted, uh, have had significant collateral, negative collateral implications, especially on our school children. 
We turned this entire country into a single public health issue country, and now we're reeling from the extensive damage it's created on the other side of COVID. Well, there's that. I mean, we're going into, what, the third school season now after COVID-19 started, and we're still talking about mask mandates in certain school districts all over the nation, which blows my mind. I mean, they declared that we don't have to wear them in Washington, D.C. Elected officials don't have to wear them. Most businesses aren't doing it unless someone just chooses to do it on their own accord. But yet, for some reason, we're still pushing mandatory vaccines and mandatory masks in certain school districts. I don't understand that. No, absolutely. I mean, even in my state of New Jersey, there's certain districts that are pushing the mask. And this is really uh, has to do with the flip-flop hypocrisy that's been pushed down, where even from the CDC uh, remits, we had no idea uh, what to follow. One day they'd say one thing, and the other day they'd say another. And uh, school districts are now struggling to figure out what's right to do, whether they should do it based on liability, whether they should do it based on science, uh, or is it more political science and theater? Uh, So, yeah, there is continued confusion, but really at the core of it, what really frustrates me the most is the damage it's done to our children. You know, I'm a father at the end of the day, and as many hats as I have, my three boys come first. And, you know, pushing these mask mandates and keeping them out of school and pushing back their educational learning experience and their social interactions with their friends at such a pivotal age Terrible, terrible consequences. Uh, and, you know, these bureaucrats are so tone deaf and out of touch with the reality of America. Well, and I hope that that's starting to change now. Yeah, I really hope so as well. We're talking with Rick Meta, former FDA official, also current Georgetown University health law professor. Let's take it to here and now and moving forward. Democrats looking at trying to figure out their game plan for the election day, which, you know, they're still down in the polls nationally for the at least for the representatives. Uh, it's tied right now, really close for the Senate races. But while they can't run on economic issues because the economy is in the complete tank, we're going we're already in a recession. We're about ready to go into our third quarter of GDP losses. So they can't say that we're not in a recession. Inflation's skyrocketing. Interest rates continue to climb with them battling inflation that hasn't worked. Supply chain issues are a mess. They can't run on any of these issues, but they're refocusing again on social issues and on health care, recentralizing Obamacare and expanding Obamacare. I thought we were realizing and we came to the collective consensus here that Obamacare was a disaster as premiums have near doubled over the years since uh, we implemented Obamacare. Deductibles have gone through the roof. We have specialists that we can't get covered. Why are they focusing on trying to expand Obamacare again when it hasn't worked for however many years we've had it so far? Absolutely. And and like you said, it's because they have no platform to run on. I mean, even the president's former chief of staff or a press reporter, Jen Psaki, had to admit uh, that if economy is their focus, then the Democrats are going to suffer some suffer some significant losses in November. Uh, and the truth is they need to. They need to because so many Americans have suffered such significant losses. So what else do they have to stand on other than these feel good social programs? Uh, they're hitching their wagon uh, on the Dobbs decision, saying that, you know, the Republicans are after, you know, women's health care and abortion rights, which, uh, you know, frankly, is not the truth and not the case. You know, it's just the fact that they can't write constitutional laws. Uh, And rather than focusing on legislating under the Constitution, they're more focused on these social issues, which will catch attention uh, and maybe help them uh, preserve their majority. Uh, But it's it's a losing uh, proposition. And again, a lot of this is driven by political science. I mean, you know, again, President Biden taking laps of brown victory over COVID has to do more with political science than actual medical science, and notwithstanding the dis- destruction he's had on American lives. 
Yeah, that is very true. Uh, last question as we get closer to our wrap-up here. But uh, i got to ask, I mean, they, they like to focus on these social issues, but at the same time they're trying to say that they're holding up the Christian, Judeo-Christian values that we have in this nation and that we're taking care of individuals, whether it's Social Security, whether it's Medicare and Medicaid, whether it's the food stamps, whether it's the WIC program, the expansion of Obamacare. It's the Christian thing to do to take care of individuals. Now, while we are a Judeo-Christian valued nation, Rick, is this does that hold up those principles? Is that how we take care of individuals? Is by government-run centralized healthcare? But see, this is the problem. They're trying to actually replace religion, charity, uh, and Judeo-Christian values with government mandates and government remits. You know, of course, as people, as a society, we have a responsibility to each other. But when you intervene, when government intervenes and forces you to do something, forces your hand, mandates you to do something, speaks for you, uh, that's where I think people are starting to see the light and draw the line. And uh, again, you know, with these overexpansion of health care, focusing on the Affordable Care Act, expanding that, increasing our premiums, and making us live beyond our means, uh, it's going to come crashing down. And, and it has. You've seen the inflation rates go significantly high. You've seen the stock market take some of its lowest tolls in 40 years. Uh, and listen, my parents are of retirement age and uh, they're hurting right now. You know, when your 401k, your retirement, everything you've worked for 40, 50 plus years uh, is starting to crash significantly. People are feeling it. And I think their voices are going to be heard at the polls in November. I completely agree with that. I seem to remember a time back in the day when we didn't have government health care, Western expansion, late 1800s, early 1900s, when the church would actually run the hospitals, the churches would actually run the care centers, and see things, at least to me, in my opinion, seemed to run a little bit more efficiently back then when it was done by the community and not by a centralized government. What a concept, right? Yep, that's exactly right. In fact, I wish they'd make more funding available for uh, Christian, Judeo-Christian-based, uh, faith-based health care agencies, which they don't. Yeah, they don't like those anymore. Uh, Rick, I know that uh, we got just about a minute left here or so, but do you think this is a winning argument for them? While people are feeling the brunt of it on the home front here, Democrats continue to buckle down with their social programs. Is that winning over any new followers? Well, I can't tell you who said this, but uh, it's the economy, stupid. And at the end of the day, no matter what they push... Uh, it's going to matter how it's affected people's wallet, their bottom line, uh, putting food on the table. It's all going to come down to the economy, finances, uh, and how Americans are starting to feel the crunch right now. And so, no, I don't think it's going to be a winning argument for them. Sounds like Democrats need to go back to their classes to try and relate to their constituency and understand what we're really going through. And uh, maybe they might be uh, have a little bit more common sense. It's Rick Metta, former FDA official, current Georgetown University health law professor as well. Rick, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. It's a pleasure. Keep up the fight on your end let's get you back on the show again here real soon okay thank you take care hey always a pleasure my friend all right that does it we'll take a break here we'll wrap up the program right around the corner we'll break that one down interesting information telling you we have the momentum on our side we'll talk about that when we come back plus outside of the u.s are we winning on conservative values as well as we saw a major election in italy we'll talk about that when we come back stay here the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, it's But the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. 
And so I think it's changing, and I think this is a perfect example of it. Wow. There it is. Pandemic's over. Don't got to worry about it any longer. Thanks again to Rick Mehta coming on the program, former FDA official. Always good to chat with him. I'm telling you, as we look at the poll numbers, we look at the amount of spending being uh, spent, the record-shattering numbers being spent for campaigns all over the country. It really is mind-blowing that Democrats are even close to even being remotely re-elected as a majority for the Senate or for the House. House, I still think we're going to win by, I don't know, 10, 20, 15, 30 seats, whatever it may be. The Senate, I'm optimistic we could win one or two, but we have to get our, you know what, in gear and actually make it happen. Especially after you see headlines like this. Possible beer shortages as inflation troubles Americans. What? <laughs> I'm here to tell you that if there is a beer shortage in the nation... With inflation. Now, remember, there was a beer shortage at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic as well. It was very difficult to find any, uh, or at least they couldn't make the the tin cans. They couldn't distribute them. So there was a bit of a shortage. Prices for alcohol went up a little bit. If there's a beer shortage in this nation, you will have an all-out riot. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there because, look, you've created one of the worst economic situations that we've seen leading up to the 1970s with Jimmy Carter Thanks a lot, Joe Biden, for that. And you can blame China. Sorry, China. Thank you, Donald Trump. China. You can blame China. You can blame the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't care what you try to blame, but of course you pass off the blame to somebody. But when you have inflation this high and the economy's that bad and you can't buy goods and you're wasting near $4,000 a year over what you usually spend just to try and maintain what you already have, You need an alcoholic beverage once in a while to keep your nerves cool. And if you can't find that alcoholic beverage, Joe, I'm here to tell you in Biden administration, that is what's keeping the sanity of middle America. Can we just, can we admit to it? That's what's keeping the sanity of middle America is the adult beverage. And if the adult beverage goes by, everything that's keeping us calm, cool, and collect and just keeping our head down to do our damn job is going to go to the wayside and there will be all-out riots. I'm not threatening physical violence or riots. I'm saying we're going to lose our minds because that's what we go home to at night and say, wow, I need an adult beverage because there's a lot of stupid in the world right now and that's got to keep me cool. Just saying. You have a beer shortage. I don't care what campaign ads you spend on. I don't care what you try to run on. I don't care what kind of crap you try and give away, unless it's adult beverages, then you're going to have a riot on your hands because middle America, the blue-collar worker, is not going to go home and not want an adult beverage uh, after a crazy day of dealing with stupid in the world. All right, we got a couple minutes here. Let's get into what's trending. What's trending today? I want to give you some optimism for just a second here is that conservatism is winning not just here in the nation, but is winning globally as we're seeing Republicans, our equivalent to Republicans, different political parties in different countries winning all over the place. Remember when they said Brexit would never happen? Would never happen. Guess what? It did happen. We see Brazil. We see other nations where conservatives are starting to take hold. The latest one coming out of Italy with their new prime minister is uh, uh, winning. What's her name? The uh, hold on. I got to remember her name here. Uh, the, I know the first name. Giorg- Giorgia Meloni is the new prime minister for Italy. Now, here's what the media, of course, is trying to tell you, is because she's the first conservative prime minister in a very long time, is that she somehow has ties to Mussolini and the Socialist Party for being a right-wing nutjob party. I know! I know! This is according to the Associated Press and all their garbage there. They say that she's got ties to the extremist right-wing neo-fascist Italian social movement. There are so many things wrong in that description, I don't even know where to start. 
As you read news headlines here about what this party is, the Brothers of Italy party that she founded in 2012. Boy, it must be nice to start just a random political party and, you know, 10 years later actually be the prime minister. It's, imagine if we had a system like that, you could just randomly start up a party and 10 years later it's actually a major leading party. But she started it in 2012 and it is called the Brothers of Italy party. According to the AP News, they say it has ties to the old socialist party of Mussolini. I'm trying to tie together the concept of conservatism and limited government nationalism that just means you're proud of your country to socialism and big government, socialized programs, centralized power, trying to connect the two. It's like the professor I had in college that said he was a libertarian socialist, trying to connect the two, the things that just don't make sense in the world. That's why I'm saying if the rapture is going to happen here the next day or so, it better happen soon because there's a lot of stupid out in the world. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. We're back at it tomorrow. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.